following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. Michael Graff Show. Hello, how come I rich and you not? How come you not sell real estate like I do? How come I sleep with your wife while you at work and then I pee in your toilet and don't flush? And sometimes I open the back part and I pee in there so that when you flush, pee come out. You know why? Because I'm smart. I'm smart, you stupid. Michael Graff. We're dealing with one sick son of a bitch. Okay, okay, let's try to watch the language. There's children present, yeah? That's right. One in ten support D's nuts for present. The zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Hey, that's just a regular unattractive guy who's not famous. Michael Groff. If it's a legitimate rape, the female body has ways to try to shut that whole thing down. And you're an idiot. Ah! At the tone, the time will be 26 Railroad. The zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Oh, that's what gay is? Oh, yeah, I could totally get into that. The following broadcast is in the hands of a guy whose professional and social lives are going about as well as Hillary Clinton on a polygraph. From his exile in the urban desert, it's the zip code famous Michael Graff Show. Brand new intro to the show. Hell, almost a brand new show entirely with some of these changes we're going to be rolling out. Welcome in the Zip Code Famous Michael Graff Show. I guess I can still say Happy New Year since it's the first time I'm speaking to most of you here in 2016. As it is Monday, January 11th, 2016. And I already declared this. It is the year where Hillary Clinton becomes the next president of the United States. Well... She becomes elected. We still have about a year and nine days before she actually takes the inauguration. But you heard it here first. That's my first prediction of 2016 that Hillary Clinton, well, at least my first official prediction here on this program, that Hillary Clinton will win and become our next president. I know, I know. It's sad, but... Certainly, we're going to have a lot of time to talk about that. I'm going to avoid discussing that as much as possible over the next, uh, well, until I absolutely have to. And you know, we're going to break all that down. The show may change a little bit, but uh, that is still something that we're going to talk about from time to time, much to the chagrin of some of you who get tired of the politics and all that kind of stuff. And believe me, I am burned out on it also. Uh, I already, it's sort of, it's one of those things where I have had my fill of Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and everybody else in the entire political process at this point. I am, I'm just tuckered out, man. I am tired. I, I spent the entire weekend, in fact, since last we spoke, which is when I did the 20 Worst Songs of 2015 countdown, since last we spoke, I have barely really gotten into it. Of course, I still watch and I still pay attention because that's just what I do and who I am. But I've pretty much avoided discussing it in mass, and uh, I've... <laughs> pretty much kept all of it to myself because I'm just, I'm exhausted from all of it. And who really wants to hear any more from Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton at this point? And and any of them, really. Uh, the one guy that has seemed to disappear completely is Bernie Sanders. You don't hear from him at all anymore. So I, I think that ship has sailed and that whole thing is over with. But uh, whatever. All right. Well, welcome in. Here we are. Yes, it is a a new sort of feel to the show just a little bit. But it's still all the same in terms of contact information for us. Groffshow at gmail.com. That is my email address. It's groffshow at gmail.com. That's also the PayPal address for this program. Michael Groff is the handle on Twitter. 
And for everything else, uh, Michael Groff related, of course, michaelgroff.com for all of that. Oh, and of course, The Michael Groff Show on Facebook. Can't forget about the award-winning stellar Facebook page that we have up there. That is facebook.com slash The Michael Groff Show. All right. So I don't even know where to begin. I guess, first of all, uh, since last we spoke, this tells you how long it's been. It's been a couple of weeks. And I am... As I mentioned off the top of the show, I am glad 2015 is out of here and we're into a new year. Although 2016 is not exactly started off like gangbusters for me personally, but uh, I'm hoping for a better year. It, it can't be any worse than 2015, right? Of course, I said that about 2014, 13, and 12, and they have steadily gotten worse for me. But I'm just hoping for the country, for me, for everybody that it can turn around. Uh, for example, like if I won, say, the Powerball coming up on Wednesday. Here, my ticket. And uh, I actually have like five tickets I bought here. So $1.3 billion. Yes, $1.3 billion is the current estimated jackpot for Wednesday night's Powerball drawing. The mania that's sweeping across this country right now from the Powerball. It's crazy. Your odds of winning are, of course, uh, well, however many tickets you purchased out of 292 million. So in my case, five in 292 million. But your odds of getting struck by lightning are about one in 700,000, which means you're about 400 times more likely to get struck by lightning than you are to win the Powerball, which, of course, is insane to think about. Telling you what, if I won, of course, I would still do this podcast. And that is absolutely the truth. It would obviously be a little bit different. I would build a brand new studio for this show, that's for sure. And there would be a bit of a different sound to this whole thing. I would have a, a nice new... I would have a lot more people on this show, I think. We would have a, a different tone, a different tempo, a different attitude around here. But overall, I don't think I would really change as a, as a person with all of that money. I always said, if I won a billion dollars, even if I won a substantial amount, even a hundred million dollars... um. I would the, After going to the lottery office to cash in, I would go to the cell phone store, get a brand new phone, get a brand new phone number, take my old phone and throw it in the nearest fountain, lake, river, whatever. Uh, that thing would be gone. Yeah, landfill, what have you. Actually, you know what? I take it back. I would hold on to my old phone for a few days anyway before throwing it away because I'd want to see the people that came out of the woodwork to start talking to me. That would be the really interesting part. The sociologist in me would love to see who would come out and start talking to me. Suddenly, those family relatives out there that uh, always say, hey, Mike, let's uh, let's hang out. You know, I have these cousins. Some of my cousins are like, hey, Mike, it'd be cool to hang out sometime. And then, of course, I say, all right. And then I try to set up something. And, of course, they don't want to hang out with you. They just say that when they're around you. Um, yeah, and then, of course, uh, the people that would claim to be a part of your family. Oh, Mike, I'm actually your your third cousin over, uh, yeah, I'm on this, you know, of course. You know, they'd say, oh, well, we're actually related. Uh, I knew, uh, I, I'm actually your uncle's brother's cousin. You know, they're like way off in the distant part of the family tree, allegedly. Yeah, 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 right. And then, of course, there'd be complete strangers asking me for money. And then my favorite, the, the best part would be, I'm sure that uh, some old girlfriends or people that uh, I went out on a, on a date or two with at some point in the past maybe would still have my number or would look it up someplace and would find it. And those people that always said to me, well, Mike, it's not you, it's me, and I'm just trying to find myself or I'm trying to find my spark or what makes me whatever. Those people... Suddenly they would find their spark, I bet. 
You know who I'm talking about. Those are the people that always say to you things like, oh, I think you're amazing. You're a great guy, but, um, you know, I'm just not ready for a relationship right now. Or I see you like a brother. Or you're just, I, I have to find me right now and, and find out what makes me tick. And then those are the people that, of course, as soon as you win a billion dollars, they would come out of the woodwork and be like, well, as it turns out, I found myself, Mike. Uh, and as it turns out, you're my spark. You were my spark all along. <laughs> You hear about these stories from um, lottery winners. They always come out and say these same things. They say, oh, yeah, you know, people I went out on dates with or people that uh, were friends of mine in high school. That'd be the other demographic, too. All those people that ignored me in high school, they would make their way out of the woodwork. You know that. Those are the people that would be like, oh, no, Mike, I always thought you were a really cool guy in high school. You know, the guys that ignored you. Oh, yeah, or, or t teased you or tormented you, whatever. No, I thought you were a great guy. Uh, hey, how's it been going? <laughs> you know, that that would happen too, of course. And because I've heard the stories from those uh, those other winners and stuff. So I there's always that sadistic side of me. I would be pretty nice to most people, although I probably would get a plane. I would like get a, get a plane to drag behind a banner that basically just told all of those people that I just mentioned, pound sand. That would just basically be the message. Maybe it would be a little bit more direct. Maybe it would be an FU or a middle finger. I'm pretty sure that would be kind of the direction I would go in because, um, yeah, I would have no... See, the people that are my friends right now, the people that are... That I actually... If I looked at my most recent call list or the people I've I've had a text message with in the last few days, maybe, those are the only people that would get a piece of it. If I haven't spoken to you in a few weeks, you can forget it. Of course, I'm just really carrying on about nothing because I don't think I'm going to win, but here I am just fantasizing about it anyway. I, it's good to have a plan, right? It's good to have a plan. A nice studio. I really wouldn't... I don't even know how I... Well, first of all, I know I would give a lot of the money to my friends, my very close friends and my family, and uh, I would probably have... Um, well, I don't know. I'd probably still have a couple hundred million that I would keep for myself. And I don't even know what I would do with that kind of money. I have no idea what I would do with it. I don't know. Everyone says, oh, I would start a charity or I would do this or I would do that. And maybe some people would. I have no doubt that there are some people that do that kind of stuff. I don't know what I would do. I wouldn't be spending it like crazy. I would give some to friends and family, as I said. But I wouldn't be going completely frivolous and crazy. Uh, yeah, sure. I would have a nice party in Vegas. Oh, absolutely. I would build a. I would have a, a couple of nice houses, a beautiful studio, and that's pretty much it. I don't know what else. That's uh, there's really not much else I need out of life. I, my my whole my expectations, my needs, and my wants are pretty limited. I, I would probably go and see some parts of the world that I want to go see, and that'd be about it. Um, even if I won a couple of million dollars, I know I would do those things. And that would be about all I really needed. So, I don't know. I, I really don't know what I would do. I would probably, uh, a, a lucky listener to this show would probably benefit also. Because I used to do that. I used to give away money out of my own pocket years ago with different contests and different things on this show or other things that I did with the stations I ran. Uh, I remember writing checks to listeners for $100 or whatever, giving away prizes to listeners through the years. And that's when I hardly had anything. So that's the kind of guy I am. Uh, as long as you're anything above an asshole to me, I'm pretty sure you'll probably get something out of it. So there you go. That's my summary on Powerball.
what else has happened since we last spoke? Let's see. There's been three pretty big names in the music biz that have dropped dead over the last couple of weeks. Uh, the first one, I think, was Lemmy from Motorhead. Now, I was never a big Motorhead fan, all right? That genre of music, the 70s, early 80s sort of metal genre, I was never really big into that, and I never got Motorhead at all. That was just one of those things I didn't understand. It was uh, definitely an acquired taste. Either you loved it or hated it. I don't think there's too many people that go, eh, you know, I'm kind of either way on Motorhead. No, that was a sound and a style that was uh, either for you or not, and for me it was not. But I still, I, I only knew two songs of theirs, so I'm not going to sit here and pretend and make a big deal about it. Like, this is a big blow to the rock and roll. Listen, Motorhead hasn't been relevant for 30 years, and that's arguing that they were really relevant at all. I know they had a niche. I know that they were kind of, I guess, big for a little while. But let's be honest. I mean, I, people carried on as if this was Paul McCartney or something. No, it's Lemmy from Motorhead. Not really that big a deal, all right? Uh, still, I knew two of their songs, Ace of Spades and Thunder and Lightning. Those are the only songs by Motorhead I know. Maybe I know a couple others. If I heard them, maybe I would know them. But I'm, and uh, this is from the perspective of a guy that programmed radio stations for over a decade. Now, I never really programmed a station that would play Motorhead, uh, and I did program 70s and 80s stations as well as, you know, a lot of variety stuff and alt stations and all that kind of stuff. But I was never really that big. But here's, for those of you that don't know, here's a little bit of uh, Motorhead. Well, let me see if I can. See, this is Ace of Spades. And I actually know this song. I don't really care for it, but. Somewhere in our audience, there's a dirt head right now going, yeah! And I don't know if I'd really call it classic rock or anything, because it's just, it's not that kind of a deal. It's just sort of, yeah. It's very whatever sound to me. And that's kind of an old story, so I'll just move right along. Uh, Natalie Cole died a couple of weeks ago. Now, again, I only know, I'm not going to sit here and pretend. My mom was like, oh, my God, Natalie Cole died. Oh, that's just terrible. Um, yeah, I, I don't know anything Natalie Cole except for the Nat King Cole and Natalie Cole version of Unforgettable. That's all I know from, from her. If you held a gun on my head and said, name another Natalie Cole song, I'd be like, well, you're going to have to be pulling that trigger. That's what you are. I'm surprised this is in our library, actually. Unforgettable. I remember when I think I used to have this on an old uh, CD from Radio Shack. Like when I bought a stereo in like 1990 with a CD player in it. To me. The demo CD in there had this song. I think it had Rhythm Is Gonna Get You by <laughs> Gloria Stefan. It had some a couple of like jazz pieces in it. Uh, it had some, I don't know what else, but. So that was uh, number two. And then last night, dead at the age of 69, apparently cancer. Oh, that cancer will get you. And this was big because apparently he'd been battling cancer for over a year and a half. Was David Bowie. 
And again, of of those three, I guess I knew David Bowie the most. I was most familiar with his music. Again, I was not a guy I was the biggest fan of, but a lot of the people that do the freaky acts in rock over the last 20, 30 years kind of owe that to David Bowie. You know, you're, um, I don't know, Alice Cooper's, your Marilyn Manson types. Certainly that freaky look, the look along with the, uh, the act of rock. David Bowie definitely did that to the point where they didn't really want him on TV because, you know, he used to wear, like, sequins and dresses. <laughs> he used to wear all sorts of weird stuff. And so back in the 70s, they're like, uh, we don't want some guy up on a t- on our TV network here is, uh, you know, going to wear a dress or something. You're a, you're a man. How about you let, you let Elton John on the ass? <laughs> Yeah, we, we have one of these here rules. Only one of you people per network. So, yeah, that's a uh, little bit of David Bell. Here we go. Whenever we do A to Z specials on the station, this is one of those songs we had to include because one of the... I think only one of seven or eight songs in the library that starts with Z, so. Ziggy Stardust. A Ziggy played guitar. A Ziggy played guitar. Jamming good with weird and gilly. And the spiders from Mars. He played it left hand. So David Bowie dead at the age of 69. That's a That's a pretty big story. So those are, I guess they say it always comes in threes, so I don't know. That's probably the end of that, unless unless the counter starts over with the new year. I don't know. I don't know how any of that works. What else is going on? Oh, over the weekend, I know we're going to talk about sports. I know those people that write in and complain or that hate it, get ready, brace yourselves. The NFL Wild Card weekend occurred, and for the first time in NFL playoff history, all four road teams won They were all favored. They all had the better quarterbacks, so that's not really that big of a surprise. I was only surprised by one game. First, the Chiefs-Texans game on Saturday. Johnny and I were here watching that, and from the opening kickoff of the game that Kansas City returned for a touchdown, I looked right at John and said, well, this game's over. Put this one in the books. Um, And, of course, I mean, I was sitting there saying, you know, they have Brian Hoyer, so of course they're going to suck. They were the worst team to make it into the postseason in NFL history. They had to be. I mean, there was. I'll even count the the year that Seattle got in at seven and nine. That team was still better than this Texans team. They played in a terrible division, the uh, AFC South, which has Jacksonville and Tennessee, who are awful, and Indianapolis, who was without Andrew Luck most of the season. So, of course, I guess they were the quote cream of the crop in that division. So they somebody had to win it and it was the Texans and they got embarrassed losing 30 to nothing. That game isn't even really worth talking about except I will say this. How do you leave Brian Hoyer in there to throw four interceptions and fumble the ball? He had five turnovers in the game. You have Brandon Wheaton on the bench. Why not use that guy? You brought JJ Watt in to play quarterback for a snap. But you wouldn't use an actual quarterback. You used a defensive you used a defensive player as a quarterback for a trick play, but you won't even bring Brandon Whedon in. And then uh, 
<laughs> I, I thought that was the weirdest decision, but I don't think it would have really mattered. Kansas City was just so much better uh, than Houston. What a terrible team. What an embarrassment to the NFL. Just shows the quality of play in the league that I've talked about for so long. Then you had the Steelers-Bengals game on uh, Saturday night. And again, that was another embarrassment for the NFL. That was a, a case where, and this is weird how this happens. The playoffs in the NFL always expose a team's biggest weaknesses. I don't know why that happens. I don't know. It, it seems that a team could just get lucky and win. But it, it always seems your weaknesses are, are exposed and magnified in the postseason. And that's precisely what happened to the Bengals on Saturday night. You have two just incredibly stupid players, and I mean they are boneheaded, dumbass, douchebag players. And I don't just throw those words around casually, trust me. Vontez Perfect is a guy who's been fined over $70,000 for illegal hits uh, throughout the season uh, and throughout his career. He's never been suspended, but boy, he has acquired more personal fouls than anybody else in the league. He is just, uh, he's borderline dirty player and uh, so he caused a big bunch of ruckus and these two teams don't like each other anyway and I'm not saying that the uh, Steelers played it completely clean but Vontez Perfect is part of the problem and then Adam don't call me Pac-Man Jones uh, he was in there and he was basically the reason that the Bengals lost uh, the Bengals actually they were down 15 to nothing they come back uh, behind AJ McCarron who actually played pretty well and I will not blame him for this loss uh, they came back they, they took the lead 16-15, to 15, but then Adam Jones gets two penalties back-to-back for a total of 30 yards, uh, two personal fouls, including one where he shoved the, uh, the uh, Steelers' um, uh, assistant coach, uh, Joey Porter. Uh, he shoved him out of the way, and he got another personal foul for that. So that's 30 yards they got there. Pittsburgh just kicks a field goal because they were they got excellent field position due to two stupid penalties, the dumbest penalties I've ever seen. And you can thank Pac-Man Jones for that. And then after the game, Pac-Man Jones doesn't even stick around to talk to the media. At least Vontez Burfecht did stick around. He, he didn't really have much to say, but Pac-Man Jones ducked out. He got out of there, and then he recorded something on, um, on his Instagram account, basically yelling about the referees. And then yelling about, quote, Jerry Porter. Now, the guy's name that he shoved is actually Joey Porter. But he's yelling about Jerry Porter, who I think played for the Raiders, right? I don't know. Anyway, he's yelling about that and that he shouldn't have been on the field and all this other nonsense. Well, he was over there to help an injured player, but that's neither here nor there. The stupidity and embarrassment that is the Cincinnati Bengals continues. And I don't want to make it about their entire team. I mean, their entire team's a little chippy, or at least many of them are. But it's really two guys that cost them the, the chance to move on. They had that game won. You had the Steelers beat, and you blew it, not because of your play on the field, but because you have two idiots that could not control themselves. And that falls on the head coach. The head coach is there to make sure that guys stay disciplined and stay focused. You didn't see guys on the Steelers' si- uh, sideline in the fourth quarter doing that kind of nonsense. You didn't see them behaving quite like that. That's for sure. And that's Marvin Lewis. That's your coach of the Cincinnati Bengals, and that's why he's got to go. Well, he's got to go not only for that, but he's also 0-7 uh, in the playoffs as a head coach. And that's just unacceptable as well. So he's got to go. Uh, if you're a Cincinnati Bengals fan right now, first of all, why? And secondly, 
you've got to just say to yourself, or you've got to let the organization know you're not going to tolerate that kind of garbage. Pac-Man Jones shouldn't be on that team anymore, and neither should Vontez Perfect. When he was here, when he played for ASU, we knew that he was a douchebag. And then he went over to uh, Cincinnati. Now he's with Cincinnati. And, of course, his bad behavior that everyone knew about from college has reemerged and is taking shape in the NFL. Big surprise. And it cost a team an opportunity to move on in the postseason. And that's exactly why I said not only should the Cincinnati Bengals be embarrassed, but the National Football League should be embarrassed by that display on Saturday night. And I have to tell you, and again, I'm not absolving Pittsburgh from any responsibility, but, you know, look, they won the game and they weren't, they ultimately don't have the two biggest douchebags in the league in Vontez Perfect and uh, Adam Jones, so... Uh, something should be done. Roger Goodell is always sitting there talking about, oh, player safety this and player safety that, and that's the crap that the league tries to peddle to you, and yet Vontez Perfect, all of those fouls, all of those fines that he's accumulated, and no suspensions whatsoever. So that just tells you that the NFL, once again, showing its complete hypocrisy. And then came the disaster of games that was Sunday, and it's a disaster for a completely different reason. First of all, As a Vikings fan, I always know whenever they get into the postseason, there's going to be the other shoe that drops. I'm just waiting for some kind of disaster to happen and for them to find a way to lose. For them to wrap their hands around their throats and choke it away like they always do. But yesterday, they're up 9 to nothing going into the fourth quarter. They look like they have a very solid game plan against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. Uh, They played excellent defense by and large. And I was like, you know what? This actually looks like they have this team figured out. They got shellacked by Seattle 38-7 to a few weeks earlier. And I think they finally decided, well, we, we have to come up with a better game plan. We're healthier on defense. You know, Mike Zimmer is uh, one of these dudes who ha- figures it out very quickly. What could possibly go wrong? Oh, right. Yeah, a couple of missed defensive assignments. Russell Wilson gets loose. One big pass play, a touchdown, a field goal, and now you find yourself down 10-9. to But then the Vikings come back. Less than two minutes to go in the game. They have a drive. They're moving down the field. There's a, I think there was a pass interference call on Richard Sherman. And now there's 26 seconds left to go in the game. You're set up. It's fourth down. You've got a field goal from 27 yards out. There is absolutely no wind. Vikings have got this. They're going to at least take the lead, and then there's only going to be about 20 seconds left to go in the game. What could possibly go wrong? All you have to do is nail a 27-yard field goal. Blair Walsh already hit three field goals in the game from 46 or 47 yards out. It's cold, and he still nailed those perfectly right down the middle. Everything's looking good. Oh, oh, but then, well, then... Yeah, then then Minnesota Vikings history rears its ugly head, and there you go. That's it. Game over. Of course, Blair Walsh shanks the kick wide, wide left. I mean, not even close. Didn't even hit the upright. I mean, they just flat out missed it, and that was the end of that game. And once again, the Cubs of the NFL find a way to choke it away in, in the prime time, and that's it. And the Minnesota Vikings lose, and Seattle goes on, and there, there you go. I'd rather be lucky than good. That's all I can say. And Seattle was very, very lucky yesterday. And then as if that's not bad enough, then I get to watch the Packers 
summarily get their ass kicked for one quarter of the game and then they roar back and beat the Washington Redskins. And I, I honestly thought maybe the Redskins had a chance. But then when I really got down to thinking about it, the Redskins hadn't beaten anybody all season. Anybody that had a winning record that they played, they got beaten by. They won a crappy division. And I mean, just like the AFC South, the NFC East is garbage. You had the Cowboys who were terrible, the Eagles who were terribler, if that's even a word. Of course it's not, but who were worse. And then you had the New York Giants who would have been pretty good if the games only lasted 58 minutes. But the Giants probably were the biggest choke jobs in the NFL all season. They found ways to lose games in the last two minutes that hadn't even been invented yet. So a terrible division, and the Redskins had to come out of it, and they had Kirk Cousins as a, as a quarterback. What a, what a, what a, just a joke of, of a quarterback. I mean, this just goes to show you that inferior quarterback play is rampant around the league. You had, you had Ryan Hoyer and Kirk Cousins as, a, as starting quarterbacks in the postseason. That tells you how bad it is right now. Not that Alex Smith is the greatest quarterback ever, but he looked fantastic. He looked like Joe Montana compared to Brian Hoyer. And so uh, Aaron Rodgers actually did pretty well. His um, He was one for his first eight, but then finished 21 for 30 after that, threw for 210 yards uh, after that rough start at the beginning of the game. And uh, the, the Packers actually found a way. And the Packers had looked terrible. And I thought for sure that the Redskins would find a way to pull this out. But then when I really got down to thinking about it, I went, oh, yeah, that's right. The Redskins are terrible. You know, it was very interesting. Uh, at the bar I was at, there was a couple of Redskins fans that came in there. And they were Native Americans. And all this controversy about the Redskins and their stupid name and all this nonsense... Every time I've spoken to a Native American about the name, they either are like, oh, no, it's fine by me, or they don't care. This fan, this, this is a Redskins fan that was wearing a full helmet into the bar. I mean, an actual, like, a helmet that a player wears and a jersey, and then their, their friend had a jersey and stuff, these two chicks. So there were actually, like, um, Redskins fans that were there. Uh, at the bar and I was of course anybody that plays the Packers I'm a fan of because I can't stand the cheeseheads and there were plenty of cheesehead fans in the bar also so it became pretty contentious in there and uh, I had to go out to dinner otherwise I would have stuck around maybe I wouldn't have because uh, aside from just watching the Vikings lose then I had to watch the Packers win which just infuriates me even more and so I had a few drinks last night as a result that was uh, that was a brutal weekend of football uh, three of the four teams that I expected to win actually did. I mean, I wasn't so stupid to think that Minnesota was actually going to win that game. The only time I thought maybe they had a chance was while I was watching it. But beforehand, I picked Seattle to win. I thought Pittsburgh would win. And I thought I was pretty sure uh, that Kansas City was going to win. And they did. I didn't think it was going to be 30 to nothing. But, you know, it was. Uh, I I don't know. I was I had momentary insanity to think that the Redskins could actually win a playoff game. That was stupid of me. It will never happen again. Don't worry about that. Oh, my God. What a weekend in terms of sports. And then the uh, college football national championship game is tonight. That's happening in a couple of hours here. Uh, that's Clemson in Alabama. Number one, Clemson. Number two, Alabama. Alabama is actually favored, I think, by six or six and a half in that game. So that's going to be 
pretty exciting. I I really do think that Alabama is going to win pretty huge. Probably I'm going to go 31-17, but don't take any of my predictions to heart because, you know, I did actually think that the Redskins would win. So that's I don't know. I'm not I'm not feeling too confident in my predicting prowess after this past weekend. Even though I did only get one of the games wrong, I still I I feel stupid. Uh, how could how could I pick the Washington Redskins to win anything? Look, did you see that division they played in? Oh my goodness. So, that is the sports rundown. I know. I know we talked about sports there for a while. I wanted it to, uh, I had to get that off my chest. It was just I can't believe you miss a 27-yard field goal. How does that even happen? How do you miss it? That's a chip shot. What I don't know what the percentage is on field goals of 27 yards or less, but it's got to be 95%, right? It's got to be it's got to be at least 90 to 95. There's no way it can be anything less than that. I know for, I've kicked a field goal of 30 yards before. I can kick a ball 90 feet through uprights. A blind guy and I can kick a ball fr- from 30 yards out. Don't give me this crap that you can't. You're a professional kicker. And uh, and I know the guy felt terrible about it. I was reading about how he was crying about it after the game. Hey, don't think I'm going to feel sorry for you, dude. And I know people are going to say, well, you know, had Adrian Peterson not fumbled, they wouldn't be in that position. Or had the defense actually not missed uh, some assignments, had, had Russell Wilson not been able to evade them so easily in the fourth quarter. I understand that. But... Give it, you had all of that go wrong. You had you had the Adrian Peterson fumble. You had the blown defensive assignments, and yet you were still in position to take the lead with 20 seconds to go in that ball game. And all your professional kicker has to do is hit a 27 yard field goal, and he can't do that. Give me a break. So I don't want to hear about well, you know, the, there's a lot of other opportunities. Yeah, I understand, but okay, all those other opportunities happened, and you still had a chance to win. And the easiest job in the world in any professional sport is a 27-yard field goal, and you still blew it. Unbelievable. That is, that is, that's just crazy. All right. Anyway, uh, let's take a break after that opening tirade. I don't even talk about New Year's and how I spent all that. Maybe I'll talk about that at some point. I don't know. I watched um, Ryan Seacrest. I actually did pass. Well, I, not only did I watch him, I also watched the the Fox uh, New Year's show, which had Pitbull on it, I think. One of them had Pitbull. One of them had, um, oh, my God. There was They were all insufferable. They were all terrible. Yeah, Fox, I think, had Pitbull. ABC had Ryan Seacrest. NBC had, I don't know, just drunk chicks like cursing, which was kind of interesting, actually. I don't know, but they just had a bunch of uh, weird, weird programming. I I didn't get to see, we didn't have our local programming this year. We used to be that we had uh, the big local New Year's uh, festivities on TV when they uh, had the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl New Year's Eve party or whatever that was, where they had the giant chip go down in the dip at midnight. I don't get to see that anymore. You're denying me the opportunity to watch the giant chip. I didn't go out, though. Stayed right here, rang in the new year with a friend, and that was it. Wasn't going to go out. You know, uh, I vowed many years 
uh, many years ago not to go out on New Year's because it's just it's just too much. I'm never I'm never going back to Vegas. I may go out for New Year's, but I'm not going to go out to a big block party or anything like that. Absolutely not. Plus, it was like 38 degrees outside. And then after all the fireworks and all the smoke, there's an in, there's an inversion here in the winter, especially uh, that night. And all that smoke just hung in the valley. And the next morning, it was almost like a fog. It was so thick, the smoke outside. So, I don't know, not really that healthy. So, I, um, I'm kind of glad I stayed in. Plus, you never know, people shooting off bullets. I didn't actually hear the normal hail of gunfire that I do. A couple of shots, mostly it was just fireworks, though. I guess people are putting away their guns. You don't hear nearly the machine gun fire, the semi-automatic fire, and all that kind of nonsense that you used to hear. People firing off their shotguns into the air and all that kind of stuff. Used to hear that regularly. It used to sound like Tikrit outside, but now it was mostly, I would say, 99.9% fireworks. There might have been, I'm pretty sure I did hear a couple of gunshots, but that's about it. Not too bad. Not too bad. All right. Um, We get into a lot of other stuff. You know, we got a lot of news, a lot of things to cover, some new features to roll out on the show. All of that and more. It's all coming up. Sadly, it's the best podcast available. You're listening. You're listening to the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Ground control to Major Tom. Ground control to Major Tom. Take your protein pills and put your helmet on. Ground control to Major Tom. I just had to know. I looked it up during the break. And this year in the NFL, field goals of 27 yards or closer, kickers were 189 out of 191 attempts. Which means it's basically 99% of the time if you kick a field goal of 27 yards or closer, you make it. Wow. I actually feel worse now that I looked that up because I thought it was, you know, 90 to 95%. No, it's actually 99%. The Seattle Seahawks had a 1% chance, basically, of coming out of that game with a win, and they did, which reaffirms my position that I'd rather be lucky than good, which is really a theory that I have going. That's my that's my thesis statement on life. I'd rather be lucky than good. I mean, look at the Powerball. Of course, they do say, <laughs> they do say you're about 700 times more likely to make a billion dollars just getting it on your own rather than doing it via the lottery. But I don't know. I don't think I'd get a billion dollars either way. I don't see anybody shelling out a billion dollars for this program or for my voice. And that's really about my only talents, talking and uh, voicing stuff and producing things like that. I don't think... I don't think I'm going to get a billion dollars on my good looks. All right. That's not going to happen. All right. Anyway, we're back. It's the zip code famous Michael Groff show. It is January 11th, 2016. Uh, Groff show at gmail.com. That's our email and PayPal address. 
The Michael Graff Show on Facebook, Michael Graff on Twitter, and michaelgraff.com for everything else Michael Graff related. All right. Um, a few other things happening, just some interesting stuff uh, in the news. Here's something. Now, I just sort of stumbled across this. Uh, there is quite a controversy going on surrounding a billboard advertising a dating website called wherewhitepeoplemeet.com. And I'm pretty sure you can figure out where this is located. In fact, people are so worked up about it that they've written into the local Fox 13 news affiliate there. And they're saying things like, quote, I just don't think it's the way to teach our kids to love all when you see billboards like that, Kim Gilbert said. Michelle DeSalle chimes in and says, quote, I just feel we should be past the whole mindset of staying within our own race and segregation pretty much. And then another person says, uh, I have a lot of friends who are biracial couples and they're in love and they're happy. You know, the, the whole some of my best friends are black thing. Anyway, um, here's the deal. Uh, this is in Salt Lake City where this giant billboard where whitepeoplemeet.com, it's located between 5600 West and 7200 South. The offices for this website are located in North Salt Lake City. And apparently... Uh, everyone's up in arms about it and pissed off about it. And I don't really understand why, because, yeah, it's a website for where white people meet. That's what they advertise. That's what their shtick is. But would anybody be making a big deal about it if this were a website where blackpeoplemeet.com or where Hispanic people meet? Hell, there are Christian-only websites, Christian-only dating sites. There are farmers only sites there already are black people meeting sites so and even when you go to a normal dating website just your typical match.com or plenty of fish or any of these other free or paid sites um they all have their own you can filter out people by race or by religion or by age or by body type or whatever so websites already do this kind of thing. I don't see why it's a big deal if there's one where white people meet dot com. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I know it sounds it sounds racist to have a site like that. But really, if you're only attracted to white people, if you're a white person or if you're a whatever person and you're only attracted to white people, why why not have a site for you? Just like if you're only attracted to black people, why not just have that kind of a site? And again, you can do that anyway with traditional dating websites so i don't know this just sort of eliminates the need to have a filter on a site doesn't really seem to be worth getting that worked up about of course this is an era where everybody gets worked up about everything and everyone needs a cause but this site does not appear to be a racist site it does not appear to be a site for clan people to meet each other or anything like that in fact this is from the About Us section of wherewhitepeoplemeet.com. It says, quote, I am sure some of you are wondering about the concept and need for a dating website titled wherewhitepeoplemeet.com. Our answer to that would be, why not? There are various dating websites that promote and cater to just about every origin, race, religion, and lifestyle out there. So again, why not wherewhitepeoplemeet.com? The question naturally arises, can anyone join? The answer is yes. As long as you're at least 18 years of age and you agree to abide by the rules and regulations set forth for all members to follow, we want our dating forum to be simple and inexpensive with the ability to 
connect like-minded people in a non-discriminatory fashion. I don't know, that sounds pretty simple to me. Does not sound like a racist website. Doesn't sound like they're saying, we only want white people to join our website. I don't know. It goes on to say, here at wherewhitepeoplemeet.com, we believe in the concept that all people have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We also believe that finding your perfect partner, your soulmate, is one of the most uh, is one of the best ways as humans to obtain happiness. Furthermore, we believe that all men are created equal. The word man stands for a species, not gender. We sincerely hope that you decide to join today. There are hundreds of dating websites to choose from, so please join ours if it fits your preferences and helps bring your ideal soulmate that much closer. Here at wherewhitepeoplemeet.com, we believe that all people, regardless of race, creed, color, or religion, deserve to be happy and that no one should go through life alone. I don't see what the controversy is here. I don't see what the big deal is. I'm not seeing anything hateful put in here. And once again, if this were a website called wherewhitepeoplemeet.com, we wouldn't even be having this discussion right now. It would be a complete non-issue. But I guess it's politically correct to hate something like this, so I, I suppose it's okay. I didn't get the memo on the double standards as to what's okay and what's not okay to like. So, I don't know. The billboard I want to put up and the website I want to start is why do all dating sites suck.com? Because boy, oh boy, do they ever. Now, here's a real controversy for you. Never mind this dating website crap. The Transportation Security Administration, the TSA, has brand new rules out because, well, they have new rules out every single day. That's just what they do. It's a new day, so new set of rules. I don't know how anybody can keep track of this crap. But anyway, remember how they said a few years ago when they introduced these full body scans that that was going to be an optional thing? You could either go through and be exposed to all that radiation, get your body scanned, have your junk displayed um, on their imaging technology for everybody to see, or you could get a pat-down, which was tantamount to sexual assault. Those were your two options, courtesy of the TSA. Thanks a lot, guys. Well, now the full body scan may not be optional anymore. According to this, getting checked by the TSA's advanced imaging technology used to be entirely optional, allowing those who refused to scan to be subjected to a pat-down. In fact, many observers thought that the agency installed the 740 body scanners in 160 airports with an understanding that no one would be forced to use them ever. But of course, when we talked about this story just over five years ago, and I told you about this, I said that that would become mandatory very soon. And it's taken a few years, but it does appear that we're headed that way. A memo that was released right at the end of 2015 by the TSA said that it's revising its opt-out. It's no longer going to be an option for certain passengers, according to this uh, full document. The decision drew mixed reaction, of course, from experts and raised concerns from passengers, the biggest being, will I get pushed through one of these scanners before I board my next flight? Quote, most people will be able to opt out, says Bruce Anderson, a TSA spokesman. Some passengers will be required to undergo advanced imaging screening if their boarding pass indicates that they have been selected for enhanced screening. In accordance with TSA regulations, prior to their arrival to the security checkpoint, this will occur in a very limited number of circumstances. Yeah, right. 
And of course, the TSA slipped this in right at the end of the year, right at a time where it would go under the radar. A lot of news wouldn't really cover it. It would just sort of slip past, sneak past everybody's attention because people were focused on everything else during the holiday season. But Bruce Anderson at the TSA says, oh, no, that's not why we did that at all. Quote, the revision to this policy was designed to provide TSA with the flexibility necessary to address immediate security concerns. So barring some type of public outcry, these new policies are going to be put in place by the TSA. You know that. And if there is going to be any outrage, it probably already would have happened because this story is nearly two weeks old. So there was already plenty of time for people to see it. But naturally, no one did because, well, that's what the TSA does best. They sneak these kinds of stories in there when no one's looking and put these new policies in there when no one gives a damn. And it's very smart on their part because the people that do know about it, the civil libertarians out there, the privacy advocates, the passenger advocates, and these various other groups, they're, of course, against this kind of thing. And this is, of course, a story that we brought you on the show more than five years ago. At the risk of dislocating my shoulder to pat myself on the back, I warned you about these body scanners. We talked about the CD sneaky backroom deals, the fact that the government and a bunch of people made a whole bunch of money through private contractors to install these really expensive machines in the airports to begin with. And we told you about how largely ineffective and unreliable the body scanners are as well. And somehow people still managed to think that this was a good idea and they got these things in there. And we also told you on this program how eventually it would become mandatory to have these body scanners. It's probably in an old blog of mine back from about, oh, December of 2010 in an associated podcast. We did multiple segments on this story easily. And then the most outrageous part of all of that was then we talked about the the body scanners and the pat downs at these airports. And the reaction from most people was like, well, I guess it's okay as long as I'm safe. Ha ha ha. Where where is that? Let me see. I, I know I have it here in the sound library. I'm just gonna pull this up real fast. We're gonna revisit something here. This is from um I think November of twenty ten, where people were talking about the pat downs and the body scanners, and ultimately this was the clip here we go. This is the clip that just got me every single time about this. And this just tells you exactly how stupid the average person is about this stuff. They don't care if their civil liberties are trounced on. They really don't. Here we go. Traveler Precious Broussard says the issue is important enough that she's willing to sacrifice personal comfort for peace of mind. It is a little bit more intimate, but I'd rather you be intimate and me get on the plane safely <laughs> than not. And you're an idiot. Oh my God. I forgot about how mind numbing how brain-splittingly stupid that lady is in that clip. Yeah, I'd rather that you be more intimate with me and I get on the plane safely and you infringe on my civil liberties <laughs> than not. This segment right here shows exactly what's wrong with the country right now. And that is that more people are getting upset over a stupid billboard about a dating site than are actually getting upset about something real that's happening and that is your civil liberties being infringed upon. And I'm going to put most of the onus for the blame on the American people and not necessarily the government because the government's just doing what governments generally do. And that is asserting its control over people. And you're allowing it to happen. And one day the people are going to wake up in this country and they're going to go, gee, I wonder what happened to my Fourth Amendment. 
Well, it got taken away from you, little bits at a time. And guys like me were sitting here screaming about it, trying to warn you that it was happening, and you were too blind, too dumb, and paying attention to too much other nonsense to even notice that it was happening to you. And yet, here it is, in plain sight, it's happening to you. Oh, Mike, it's just body scanners. What's the big deal? You know what? You're right. What's this right to privacy all about anyway? And what's this nonsense talk about a protection against unreasonable searches and seizures? I mean, after all, it's only the Fourth Amendment to the Constitution. And the way I hear people talk about the Constitution nowadays as it pertains to things like the Second Amendment, you have these numbnuts that are out there saying things like, Well, uh, you know, it's a 240-year-old document and times change, so... Uh, we can change the Fourth Amendment, too. After all, if you have nothing to hide, what's the big deal? Well, I'll tell you what the big deal is, you dopes. You are being treated as though you are a suspect in a crime. Whenever you consent to these body scanners and these unreasonable searches, I mean, they see everything. They see all of you. You wouldn't just let a cop stop you while walking down the street, take your clothes off, and have his way with you, would you? Well, actually, I think some of you would because I've seen these videos where people get pulled over and they just let cops search their car. They, they, they go, oh, well, uh, you mind if I search your car? Sure, officer, go right ahead. I mean, I have nothing to hide. It's just the dumbest, most asinine logic out there. Well, I have nothing to hide. But let me ask you this, mister. I have nothing to hide. Do you have curtains on your windows? And if you do, and if you use them, let me ask you this. Why do you use them? I mean, if you have nothing to hide, why do you keep your curtains shut? Come on, man. You might as well just leave everything uh, open for everybody to see. Why not? Do you ever have private conversations with anybody? And if you do, well, why do you do that? I mean, if you have nothing to hide, uh, this whole idea that we just can't have privacy. Oh, because we're afraid of the big bad terrorist, I guess. So we have to infringe upon other people's civil liberties. It is the most outrageous thing and people are willing to do it all the time. And that lady in that clip just that just drives me and every time i hear that it grades them it's like I, I i don't even know how to react to people that are this stupid it is a little bit more intimate but i'd rather you be intimate and me get on the plane safely <laughs> than not oh my god you're so stupid mind bending i i don't know uh all right anyway I, uh, I I have to try and recover from that. But every time I hear that lady and every time I, I hear people like that, it's just too frustrating for me. And what's really annoying is the fact that people won't even stand up. They won't say anything to the government about it, but they'll come back later at you and they'll say things like, well, I don't understand. It used to be this way and now it's not. We used to have civil liberties and now we don't. Yeah, because you didn't say anything. You didn't write to your representative. You didn't try and vote for people that aren't going to infringe upon your civil liberties or are going to help you re-grasp, uh, re regain the constitutional rights and freedoms that you are guaranteed in this country. Um, but, you know, you didn't do that. You didn't vote for those people. And the, the fact of the matter is, on this uh, body scanner stuff, these things aren't even that effective. They're not even that great. And they expose you to needless doses of radiation. They're unhealthy. And yet people are just going to allow this stuff to continue. And now it's going to be mandatory. So, or very soon it will be. Now it's going to be selected people. And how they select you, who knows? Uh, somebody at the gate just goes, nah, I feel like giving that guy a little extra radiation today. So I'm going to go ahead and mark that boarding pass. 
you know, that's just how it's going to be. You give these people unnecessary power and they are going to use it and they're going to use it unwisely. That is what we have always learned about government through the years. And there you go. And I'm sorry, I get pretty, I get pretty fired up about this topic. It's one of those things that just bothers me. It bothers me when people uh, are victims of something and they don't even know that they are. And they're just too stupid to realize it. Well, I'm going to try and move on past that because if I sit here, we could talk about that for the rest of the show. And believe me, I've done whole shows on that topic or the topic of infringing upon one's civil liberties. Certainly that could be an entire podcast. And hell, that could be an entire genre of podcast. But uh, I can try and get past that. We'll revisit it. Don't worry about that. We'll be talking about that again in the future. I'm sure of it. Meanwhile, let me see what else has gone on here over the last couple of weeks since we've been away. Oh, there's this story. I don't know how many of you have used Uber in the past. I think Uber is pretty cool. I've used it a couple of times. Pretty neat. Pretty inexpensive for the most part. Uh, But don't tell that to Matthew Lindsay, who lives in Edmonton. On New Year's Eve, he decided he was going to do the responsible thing, take Uber home. He took a 60-minute ride from southeast Edmonton to St. Albert. Obviously, this is in Canada. And he was a little bit surprised at the bill that he saw that he received, uh, the charge of $1,100. Yes, $1,100 for a 60-minute ride. And, um, well, because, see, here's the thing. Uber works like this. So during peak times, their fares can increase by up to nine times the normal value, which I guess quick math would be what? Um, 1100 divided by, uh, by nine would be what? About 111 bucks, something like that. So even the normal fare would still be $111. I don't know if I believe that, but anyway, he was pretty frustrated and uh, pretty surprised by the hefty bill. So he called Uber and after going back and forth with them for a while, they finally decided to refund him half of his money. So that ride still cost him $550 which still uh, seems utterly insane to me. But, uh, uh, hell, what do I know? Anyway, but uh, there you go. $1,100 for a ride. That is a pretty expensive trip on Uber. See, I think Uber is great because for me, I I know that I've taken those expensive rides. Uh, I went from a radio station in Jacksonville across the entire city of Jacksonville, Florida to the airport. And you might think that's not a big deal. Jacksonville, while it may not be the most populated city, it is certainly uh, huge in terms of land area. And uh, I think it's, I think Jacksonville is like seven or 800 square miles, believe it or not. It's, it's huge. The metro Jacksonville area in Florida, it's massive. And I took a, a, like a 50 minute cab ride and it cost about 55 bucks to get from the radio station to the airport. And I thought that was nuts. <laughs> An $1,100 Uber would be even more so. I can only imagine how that went down. Actually, the cost was $1,114. Yikes. So buyer beware. I, I would say if you're in a bad situation, like just call a normal cab company um, if you're in Canada and you need to get home on New Year's Eve, I guess. That's... That's the moral of the story here, because even though they did cut it in half, that's still 550 something bucks, 500. Yeah, 
Uh, no thanks. I think I'll just walk home. A 60-minute ride or spend a, a few hours walking home. Well, it is Edmonton, though. Probably would freeze your ass off. I don't know. Anyway, there's more of this nonsense coming up. We'll take a break, and uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll continue. Uh, it's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Zip Code Famous. It's the Zip Code Famous. Zip Code Famous. Michael Groff Show. MichaelGroff.com. Dedication for the President of the United States. A little no more tears. Tell you what. I always find it funny whenever a leader of a country or somebody in a position of power starts crying. I don't know why. It just amuses me. And I'm not talking about somebody that starts breaking down because of something serious. Like when President Bush got pretty emotional about 9-11 and all of that. Listen, there were thousands of people that were dead. It was a very tragic time. This was literally the president was crying because he wasn't getting his way. He just couldn't believe that he couldn't get Congress in on his gun control ideas or his whatever you're going to call comprehensive gun reform or whatever tasteful way you want to put it. Um, so he couldn't believe that that wasn't getting done and he wasn't getting his way. So he got on TV and he cried to the American people about it. And um, literally, he cried about it. And I uh, I laughed. I thought it was funny. And I'm not one of these meathead kind of dudes that thinks that a guy shouldn't be able to cry or show emotion. In fact, quite the opposite. I think that it's perfectly fine and totally acceptable. However, the leader of the country and the person that's supposed to be one of the most powerful people in the world probably shouldn't be breaking down on TV because he's not getting his way. And that is exactly what this was. This was a dude that just wasn't getting his way, so he felt like he had to um, get to start crying about it, which I, I just found funny. And then, of course, he turned around and said, well, I'm not going to get my way, so I'm just going to make my own laws. Yeah, I, I know President Obama wants to be able to just wish all the guns into the cornfield a la Twilight Zone, but it doesn't work that way. And you can't just start passing these executive orders as if they're nothing. You can't just start throwing those around out there um, as if you are now Congress, because he just he just did an end around to Congress with these executive orders, misusing the power once again, as this president has done repeatedly and of course, a judge can overturn a president's executive order, but that's not really the point. The point is that that's not the intention behind the power in the first place. So, and I know he sits there and goes, well, most of America wants some type of comprehensive gun control. Uh, they want some type of action to be done. Right, sure, maybe people want some type of action to be done, but what is that exactly? Maybe we should have some type of national debate on the topic. Maybe we should allow Congress to settle that. Maybe we should use the normal and proper channels for which we can do that, 
rather than have you just go, yeah, you know what? Screw Congress. I'm just going to do it my way. Because it, there's a lot of danger behind doing it that way. The real danger, of course, is the fact that then the next president, whoever it may be, well, let's just say Hillary Clinton, because that's who it's going to be. The next president will do that. And God forbid a Republican gets into office and then decides to do that. And then the Democrats will be screaming about it, even though they are the party that has abused the executive order privilege more than anybody else. Of course, I think it's just madness. But then people will say to me, well, Mike, something has to be done. Surely you agree to that. Yeah, of course. But that is a very difficult topic to get into. It's not as simple as, oh, well, we just start taking guns away from people. And I know somebody's going to say to me, well, Mike, nobody's advocating we take away guns. Really? Because while we were away, again, snuck in over the vacation, over the holiday period, uh, California just enacted the law that now says that the police have the right to take away guns from people without a warrant, without um, the proper... They don't even need to have documentation to seize it. They can just take guns away from people for up to 21 days. People that they feel, they think, may very well be a threat. So don't give me this whole, well, no one's uh, saying we're going to take away your guns. Really, because that's exactly what's going on. Now the police can just take your guns. They don't need a warrant. They don't need to actually arrest you to do it. They can take your guns away if they feel that you're a threat. So this is something that obviously is scaring people. People see that and they go, oh. And of course, if the police want to keep your guns for, let's say, instead of 21 days, maybe they want to keep them for 25 days or 28 days or 30 days or 90 days. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to call the police? Ha ha. I mean, really? They can break the law. They can keep those guns for a little bit longer. Who's going to stop them? What law enforcement agency is going to go in there and say, well, all right, uh, California police, you kept these guns longer than you were supposed to. And what penalty would happen to them anyway? None. So this is what people are worried about. So you wonder why people want to hold on to their guns and hold on to their rights. Because I guess... People have finally seen that the incrementalism in the Second Amendment has gone a little bit too far. Hey, I don't think most people are against background checks necessarily. And on principle, I'm not against them either. Although I don't really think that a background check is necessarily going to stop someone that wants to get a gun from getting it and doing harm. But okay, I think that most gun owners would do background checks anyway, even if it wasn't the law, because I don't think most gun owners would want to sell a gun to a convicted felon. Yeah, I think some people would, of course. So I'm all for I'm all for saying, all right, we, we can't sell guns to convicted felons, so let's do a background check. But beyond that, I don't know what the answer is. I don't have an answer. I don't have an answer, one answer. I have many, I have many theories, I have many ideas on what we should do and including the, a revamp of our mental health care system in this country. But doing that actually requires a lot of time and effort, and it's not going to be done in a convenient soundbite type of answer that most politicians are going to give on the topic. So they'll get up on TV and they'll start crying and whining, in some cases literally, about how they need to get all these assault weapons off the street. Yes, we need to go after the evil assault weapon. Meanwhile, of course, assault weapons account for less than 1% of the total gun crime that is committed in the United States. 
Uh, obviously, pistols and shotguns and all that stuff account for more of it. So, of course, the first thing they'll do is get rid of the assault weapons. But they won't see gun crime really drop off. Of course, it probably would actually go up, I would imagine. But anyway, they won't see gun crime really drop. So then they'll be like, well, we need to reduce the amount of rounds, uh, the magazine sizes and the rounds that uh, uh, can be held in a gun. So we're going to go after that next. And then after that, we're going to go for semi-automatic weapons. And then after that, we're going to go for uh, the shotguns. Then we'll go for the revolvers. And pretty soon, all the guns are out of the hands of the law-abiding citizens. But guess what? Criminals will always have them. So I don't know. There's not a perfect solution. But the idea of banning guns or giving the police authority to just take people's guns willy-nilly, that is not the answer. And that you wonder why people get upset and you wonder why people get fearful and you wonder why people go out and start buying up weapons left and right. It's because of talk like that. What people want to hear is things like, hey, why don't we educate people better on weapons and why don't we educate people better in general and why don't we have better mental health care so these nutballs that are out there uh, don't start killing people maybe if we did that because most of these mass shooters the ones that get all the press and all the pub most of them with the exception of say the the crazy uh couple there uh in san bernardino but most of them are people that have had a history of mental health issues, people that were on these psychotropic medications and whatnot. And these are people that probably needed better mental health care and better mental health evaluation throughout their lives. And they didn't get that. And then they went out and did what they did. And people act like they were surprised by it. But of course, they'll blame the gun and not the poor health care that they received and not the person themselves because it's ultimately, listen, I have a shotgun that's that's sitting in this room right now. It's right behind me. And guess what? That gun has never leapt up out of out of uh, its, uh, its resting place over there. It's never jumped up and started shooting people. I would actually have to wield it and use it. So it's not going to do it by itself. So you're going to have to do better than that, at least with me, when it comes to arguing for some type of... Uh, control on what type of weapons people have access to and all that nonsense it's ridiculous but then when i see the president up there crying about all this stuff i i have to just start laughing i do i think when a person in position of power like that just cries because they don't get their way they act like a child it is always funny to me it has nothing to do with some macho machismo garbage about oh guys should never cry or show emotion of course that's stupid that's dumb uh, I'm all for it. That's fine. I'm a pretty emotional guy myself, but I'm not going to get a, I, I don't think I've ever cried on the air. And I've told some pretty heavy stuff here. We've talked about some pretty heavy issues. And even in my own personal life, uh, when I've talked about it here, I've never broken down. I, I think I've started to tear up once or twice, but I've never actually let it go. And um, not because I didn't want to, but because I'm sure that would actually make for a really better radio. It just never really happened. I don't ever force something like that. But um, I just, it is it's, it is still going to make me laugh. So I watch that. Whenever I feel down, I watch the president crying, and it just brings a smile to my face. It really does. Um, because you know that whenever a politician cries, um, you know it's phony. But I will say this about it. The same people that are criticizing 
President Obama crying, a lot of these Republican, uh, these right-wing douchebags that are criticizing his tears are the same people that either ignore or justify John Boehner when he was the Speaker of the House, how he would break down every other week and start crying. So you can't have it both ways. Um, I thought it was just as funny when John Boehner would cry because that dude would cry about everything. He didn't even have to have a reason. It wasn't even because he wasn't getting his way. He just started crying. I don't even know why the dude was crying. Never knew why the dude got upset. There was a guy with some serious issues. I don't think President Obama, I don't know if he was being fake or not. My guess is that it wasn't really that genuine because he's a politician. And whenever you see a politician start crying, you kind of just have to assume that it's not real, especially when there's not necessarily an occasion to cry. For example, if it's a terrorist attack and people are dead or if he's touring a devastated area by a fire or flood or tornado or something and starts crying, maybe I can buy into that. Certainly, if you're seeing a bunch of dead bodies strewn about, I think most people would get emotional about that. I know I would. But it's really hard to take what a politician says or does all that literally or seriously or think that they're being anything other than disingenuous. So I don't know. But one thing I do know about is that it is time to unveil a brand new feature here on the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. It's a feature that some of you have actually requested and uh, one that I am a little bit on the fence about, or at least I was for a while, but I've decided we might as well incorporate it. If you like it, it'll stick around. If you don't, maybe we'll get rid of it. But uh, for now, it'll be a fairly regular thing on this program. Uh, People have asked about incorporating music into the show. And not just the bumpers that we play, you know, play little bits of songs uh, to break up the segments. But um, actually, this is something where we play an entire song. It's a song that I think either fits the motif of the show or something that's relevant to what we were talking about. Or, in most cases, just a song that I think is neat and I just want to play. So we're going to do that here on the program And um, I don't know, maybe it breaks up the flow a little bit. It sort of eases away from the more serious topics. And I I know that everyone has a diverse taste in music, but this will just be a little bit of a sample of my own taste or a song that I found or maybe something that a friend showed me that I thought was cool. Whatever. We're going to do that here right now. And it's called The Michael Groff Show Song of the Day. In fact, we have a neat little piece of imaging for it and everything. Here we go. The zip code famous Michael Groff Show. Song of the Day. And this is a cover of Simon and Garfunkel's Sound of Silence by Disturbed off of their album Immortalized on the Michael Groff Show. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you. Alone, narrow 
silence There you go the inaugural voyage of the Michael Graff show song of the day that's disturbed and the sound of silence and since we're rolling out brand new features, why not another one? Back to back. I told you there'd be some changes and some new stuff coming, so here you go. Who gives a f***? It's the news that the media wastes valuable newsprint megabytes and airtime reporting. Do you want me to give you my things I don't care about speech again? And the only question we're left asking is, who gives a f***? Yes, that's right. It is our desperate attempt to expand the demographics of this program. And that's why we're bringing you news stories that you might not necessarily care about. And I may not. But obviously, somebody has to. Because, obviously, why would newspapers and radio and television and every other outlet and media waste their time talking about all this stuff if nobody cared? So, and I figured, hey, this is a full-service radio program. Might as well do these kinds of stories, right? Somebody has to care. Like, for example... I know somebody cares about George Lucas, right? Well, even though Lucas has said that he has no interest in directing another Star Wars movie, some dedicated fans are obviously not taking no for an answer, and they've even launched a petition on Change.org asking Disney to, quote, bring back Lucas for the Star Wars movies. Quote, put the father of the franchise as director of Episode Nine," writes organizer Yuri Louise. We really want this, please. Addressed to Disney, Lucasfilm, and Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy, the petition, uh, they say that they have no problem with Jurassic World director Colin Trevorrow. They don't think that he's suited to helm the final film of the new trilogy. Lucasfilms, as director of uh, episode nine, would be the perfect way to end this new trilogy and to make an epic farewell between the Star Wars and the whole universe of the galaxy far, far away. To date, the petition has drawn 826 supporters, which means they have quite an uphill battle on their hands. Now, Lucas has said that he wants to leave major motion pictures in favor of returning to smaller, more experimental films. He's also stated that he and Disney don't see eye to eye. They don't have the same vision when it comes to the Star Wars franchise and its future. Uh, He says, Lucas here says that they wanted to do more retro movies like The Force Awakens, and he says, I don't like that. There's also the matter of um, the white slavers comment, which probably didn't win him any additional friends at Disney, so there's that. He did apologize for that, but, you know. So, really, uh, the the George Lucas thing, I don't think that's going to happen, nerds. So you might as well put that to bed. I will say this. I saw the Star Wars movie. We didn't even talk about this on the show. Saw the Star Wars movie here uh, a few weeks ago. And in terms of its nostalgia factor, it was a 10. It was an A+. It was off the charts. That part was incredibly awesome. In terms of story, it was just sort of, meh. It was basically the first Star Wars just with different characters. Well, some different characters. So, I don't know. I I would have to say um, maybe George Lucas would have been a better director for it. I mean, I watched the first Star Wars. Before we went and saw it, uh, 
a few of my friends and I, we just sat here uh, one night and we watched um, the original Star Wars. We watched it truly retro. We actually watched it on VHS. Believe it or not, I still have a VCR. I have a VCR DVD player combo, actually. I know. Speaking of nerdy. Anyway, um, we watched it on VHS and everything. So uh, on uh, on an old CRT TV. And afterwards, we went and listened to our Walkmans. We put in our rat and white snake tapes, man. So there's that. What else? Um, let's see. If you like The Wizard of Oz, and I mean if you really like The Wizard of Oz, then here's something super nerdy for you. The Wizard of Oz, uh, somebody decided to remake the movie or somebody decided to sort of redo the movie and put it, put everything in the movie in alphabetical order. So this guy named Matt Boosie decided to do just that. He first came up with the idea in 2001. He recut the film, took every single scene, everything in that film, cut it up, started doing it in 2004, and then finally he finished his uh, masterwork in early 2016. Of Oz the Wizard, which, yes, even alphabetizes the opening credits and concluding end the card is the fruit of Boosie's labor and is astonishingly entertaining for being a movie that's put into alphabetical order. The first thing you hear after the title experience, in which, uh, by the way, he takes all of the opening credits and puts everyone's name and, and everything in alphabetical order there, too. The first thing you hear uh, is whenever someone in the movie utters the, the word or letter A. Which gives you some idea of what you're in for. I actually watched this for a while. I actually sat and watched this for like 15 minutes. It was mesmerizing. What's impressive, however, is of just how musical the whole thing is. Of Oz, the wizard has the energy and pace that makes it feel like it's its own thing. And the occasional moments when the original film's famous songs break through into tiny snippets. As with the repetition of the words lollipop and rainbow. They keep things dancing along. It's a weird avant-garde project, but because it's made out of the bits and pieces of one of the most famous movies ever made, it's entirely approachable, I guess. Uh, Again, I watched this for a while. I I can't imagine anybody really sat through the entire thing, but it was pretty weird, and it does show that there are people that just have way too much time on their hands. Like, if you sit there... And you decide you're going to spend 12 years of your life. And keep in mind, 12 years of your life going through and alphabetizing the Wizard of Oz or of Oz the Wizard. That's just, um, I don't even know what to make of that. That is just way too much. What else is going on? Oh, Wendy Williams and Alyssa Milano got into quite an argument. Uh, The two uh, got into a discussion about breastfeeding in public. Now, normally, I don't even really care. It's just one of those issues that I always sit there and go, well, it's just kind of whatever. If somebody wants to breastfeed in public, who cares? Apparently, Wendy Williams cares. But uh, this is one of those times where Alyssa Milano actually out-argues Wendy Williams. And that's good because I cannot stand Wendy Williams with with that just... The whole show. I haven't seen her in a while, but here's quite. The, here's the exchange that they had, 
And this just shows, again, Alyssa Milano out, out arguing Wendy Williams on the topic of breastfeeding in public. Yeah, it was kind of shocking that we were that um, sort of uh, opinionated about something that's supposed to be so incredibly natural. I'm opinionated. You are? Alyssa, That's yes. shocking. Oh, no, I am. From you? <coughs> yes. What? What about it? What about it upsets you? I don't need to see that. Why? Because I just don't want to. Because I just don't want to. Because I... Oh, that New York accent. I mean, as soon as I hear that, my penis immediately shrivels into my large intestine. It just seeks refuge in there. I can't even... Wendy Williams is just annoying. And, and she can't even make a good counter-argument for why uh, women shouldn't breastfeed in public. Because I, because I just don't want to. Ugh. But just, would you eat under a blanket or would you... Um, what I would do is I would go to the car. But I'm not asking about... You would go feed your baby in the car? Yes. Not in, not no. on the bench in the front of the big box okay, store. Okay, now I have a question for you. Okay. Why is it okay to show that picture of Miley Cyrus with two suspenders over I, her I breast? Have no, I have... I have... And Alyssa. it's not okay. Alyssa. Yeah, look, and we're going back to it. I know. That's okay. So, so I, for you, maybe you've sexualized breasts that that's okay, but having yes, what they are. Yes, They're They're more sexual than a feeding thing. And I, I don't know why I feel this way. I just feel like, Mwah. you know, and I'm a mom also. Also, I'm a mom also, but I wouldn't feed my baby in public, even if my baby, I would take my baby into the car. Like, who cares? And I, I mean, I know you're probably just sitting there in the audience going, who gives a damn, Mike? I mean, about any of this. Well, that's why it's in this segment. This is called Who Gives a F for a Reason? Because you're not really supposed to. But here I, I'm getting passionate about it. I don't, I don't know what to tell you, except that Alyssa Milano actually makes a really good point here. It's not a big deal. Breasts are not a sexual thing, at least not when it comes to feeding a baby. There's not a guy out there that sits and sees a woman breastfeeding and goes, man, that's really hot. Or at least not a guy that probably shouldn't be in jail. Anyway. But, you know, breastfeeding is only a particular amount of time. The rest of your life, your breasts are sexual things. And I just... Yeah, but they weren't... I mean, biologically, they're not made for sexual things. That's what we've done they're, to they're them. They're fun bags. No, no. That's what, that's what we've done to them. That's what we've done to them. But you have to realize that, you know, all, all over the world... I know. This is not... I know. You're, you're the, the not norm. All over the world, there's a very village mentality where other women... I mean, you're lucky the baby's not here. I'd whip them out right here and, and feed them on your show. There you go. There you go. So Alyssa Milano actually making a good point and out arguing Wendy Williams, who I just can't stand anyway. So there you go. I see ABC is bringing back the $100,000 pyramid, by the way. The show from, what was that? It came out in 1978. Dick Clark was the host. It was out in the, you know from the 70s into the 80s and um, hugely popular back then. It wasn't one of my favorites, but I did watch it. I think it was, at first it wasn't at the $10,000 pyramid, then it was the $25,000, then the $100,000 pyramid. I wonder what celebrities they're going to get. Oh, and Michael Strahan is going to be the host of this one. Michael Strahan does everything. Aren't they just tired of him at this point? Hasn't he hosted absolutely everything that there is to host? I thought... He's on... Uh, Regis, or not Regis, it's uh, Michael Strahan and Kelly or whoever. Is he hosting that now? 
I don't even know. I know he's hosting. I see him hosting some show. I think that's the show that he's hosting now. He's with uh, Kelly Ripa. And then he uh, obviously has the NFL stuff that he does. And I see him on commercials. Basically, Michael Strahan somehow has become the most, the biggest guy on TV, basically. He's the new king of all media. So, whatever. All right, and that's that. Uh, Oh, and of course, didn't uh, they bring back the pyramid? Didn't it have Ryan Seacrest as the host for a while? All right. I mean, that tells you all you need to know about it. Let's see what else here. Yeah, it's going to be on ABC, and I guess it's going to premiere in the summer. I think they're doing about a nine-week run of this show, so look for that coming up here, I think in June or July. So there you go. All right. That's exciting. So the return of the $100,000 pyramid. I guess Michael Strahan is the new Dick Clark. I guess I don't, I don't... He's all right. I don't know if I'd put him on every single show and station, but... Why not? They couldn't have brought back Wink Martindale, maybe? That would have been cool. I'm just excited for the new premiere of Suits, the season premiere of Suits on uh, January 27th. So I'm looking forward to that. Never mind the new game shows. All right, anyway, that's the new feature here on the program. Just another one. Let us know what you think of that, any of the other stuff that we did on the show. Hey, brand new year, brand new stuff on the program. We're making uh, strides. We're moving forward, right? Sure. Anyway, one thing that hasn't changed, groffshow at gmail.com. That is still our email and PayPal address, groffshow at gmail.com. Make your generous donations via PayPal, groffshow at gmail.com. The Michael Groff Show on Facebook, Michael Groff on Twitter, and for everything else Michael Groff related, the one and only Michael Groff Show. While you're there, uh, michaelgroff.com, that is. While you're there, you can uh, check out the latest episode of this program, comment, leave your feedback, donate, and of course... You can register, so every time we post a brand new edition of this program, you'll get an email notification. All can be done at the one and only michaelgraff.com. Thank you for listening. Thanks for checking us out. Good night, everybody.